Morning class, today is Sunday the 23rd. Let's begin with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Blessed Lord Jesus, we give thanks and praise to you that you enable us to see with eyes of faith that you are truly the gift of heaven, the Savior of the world that come to redeem us from sin, death, and the grave. Bless our study, O Lord, as we continue with the book of Ruth. In your most holy and humble name we pray. Amen. Okay, does anybody need the handout? Um, you ain't got it? I got few. All right. I don't charge extra for those. We are on the last page. Ruth, do you have yours? Ruth, does Ruth have one? Anybody needs one? No, you are on page 12. We should be just about done with chapter 2. Yes, dear. You need one? We don't charge extra. You don't have yours either? What is this? Here? Oh, well, it's a good thing we have a printer in the church. Yep, that's it. Yep, this is it. Okay, anyone uh, needs an extra one? Julia, you're looking for yours? Yeah. Lisa needs one, it looks like. I'm good, though. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, we are at the end of um, chapter 2. And so let me just read the final verses for your, your own benefit and to help you grasp again. Context is what? King, right? Customs is queen, and Christ is the center. Okay, so in chapter 2, let's go to verse 17, although we're not going to go that far, because we do have a new handout to give you before too terribly long. So she gleaned in the field, in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley, and she took it up and went into the city, her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what uh, food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Okay, and so we can have been talking about this. We talked about how much she brought back, which is about 25 pounds, or to 30 pounds, enough for one day. 
We talked about the activities that's going on in her life. Her mother was impressed to see how much she had brought back with her. And now we are just about to verse 20. And um, one of the questions I had for you before uh, verse 21 with the asterisk, what does Naomi mean that God did not stop showing kindness? And we, we talked about that last week. And uh, what I shared with you uh, last week, uh, showing kindness to the living and the dead. And here's what I shared with you then. When Naomi had returned to Bethlehem, she considered herself, um, Ruth, along with her family, as dead. Yet God showed kindness to the living. God still cares for the widows. One of the P's we mentioned to you folks as we are considering these things is God's providence. One of the P's we had talked about, right? So, then it brings us to the point, the law of redemption. Now, how many of you guys know what is the actual definition of the word redeem? Very good. So the word redeem, by its very definition, is to buy back. And this is the Hebrew word, go el. So the word in the Hebrew text appears many, many times, and I showed you before that I make my coloration. So all of the time that you see it in the color green, that's the Hebrew word for redeemer. And there's others on the next page also. And so it talks about him. Look here. So every time that word is mentioned, I believe it's 22 times in 81 verses. So it's very impressive if you do the math as far as that's concerned. So <clears throat> the law of redemption. And with that, I want you to look at... Leviticus 25, 25, 47, and 49. So let's go first to the, um, the Old Testament, the book of Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And the name comes from which tribe? Levites. Levites. Okay, and we want to go to chapter 25 as we consider the um, redemption law. And, uh, and I'll, I'll highlight a little bit. So 25, verse 25. Um, if your brother becomes poor and sells part of his property... Then his nearest, notice the word, redeemer, shall come and redeem what his brother has sold. It was mandated that the land will never be sold outside the family. When God, through Joshua, divided the land among the tribes... That property was to stay with the family, never to be sold. And that's why your brother or the close kin to be the redeemer. 
Somebody has to step in. So you have to have that. Now look what it says in verse 26. I know I only gave you verse 25 for right now. But well, if a man has no one to redeem it, and then, he, uh, then himself becomes prosperous and finds sufficient means to redeem it, let him calculate the year since he sold it and pay back the balance to the man to whom he sold it. So even if you don't have enough money and you begin to turn your lot around, you go back to the man that he bought it from you and you are to buy it from him because that is your land and you have to figure all the interest, however they calculated that with the help of the priest. Okay? Then verses 47 through 49 of the same chapter. 47 through 49 of the same chapter. If a stranger or a sojourner with you becomes rich and your brother beside him becomes poor and sells himself to the stranger or sojourner with you or to a member of the stranger's clan, then after he is sold, he may be redeemed. One of his brothers may redeem him or his uncle or his cousin may redeem him or a close relative from his clan may redeem him or if he grows rich, he may redeem himself. There is a great emphasis on that word because what God gives to you you never dispose of. Why is it important? Because this is the gift from God. Now I know we live in a different time and people sell farms and property and all of those things. But during the time of the Israelites, the people were given the gift of land. That was what God gave to them, the promised land. And so they were to hold on to it. And if they can't, some family member is to help out. Let's look at Deuteronomy, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, then we go to Deuteronomy. And I explained to you last week, Deuteronomy means the second time around, the, the second giving of the law, and verses 25, 5, and 10. 25, chapter 25, verses 5 and 10. This is what they call the Levitical law. Okay? So, if brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son, the wife of the dead man shall not be married outside the family to a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go into her and take her as his wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. And the first son whom she bears shall succeed to the name of his dead brother, that his name may not be blotted out of Israel. And if the man does not wish to take his brother's wife, then his brother's wife shall go up to the gate to the elders and say, my husband's brother refuses to perpetuate his brother's name in Israel. He will not perform the duty of a husband's brother to me. Then the elders of his city shall call him 
and speak to him. And if he persists, saying, I do not wish to take her, then his brother's wife shall go up to him in the presence of the elders and pull his sandals off his foot and spit in his face. And she shall answer and say, So shall it be done to the man who does not build up his brother's house. And the name of his house shall be gold in Israel, the house of him who had his sandal pulled off. Don't argue with me. I didn't say anything. She says, I'm not going to marry Andrew's brother if something happens. Well, if the brother is married, then you don't force that because you don't, you, God never intended for us to take a second wife. There's a story in the Old Testament. Do you guys think, do you know which story I'm talking about? His name was Judah. Do you remember his uh, daughter-in-law? No? Tamar? Well, uh, she tricked the Judah. Okay, you guys know the story of Judah and Tamar? You should do it on your own, but here is the summation of the story. Judah married his oldest son to a young lady by the name of Tamar. Tamar was beautiful, lovely, but her husband was as wicked as they could be. He just did everything that is unwholesome. And finally, God took him. Then he gave her the second son, but the second son was so wicked, he used her, but never intended to give her a child. So at the proper time, he would dispose of it on the ground. Literally, he used her for his own benefit, but not. And so God took him. There was a third son, and Judah promised that when that young man grows older, he will give her to Tamar. The time came, he didn't, because he was scared that the third son was going to die. So, one day she heard that her father-in-law had been in town, his wife had passed away, he went to shear the lambs, and you know, when you work cattle and after you're done, you get a beer or two, maybe wine or two. And so she dressed the harlot and he came by and said, uh, what will you give me? Um, he wanted to go and sleep with her and, and he, she asked, what will you give me uh, to sleep with you? And he said, I will send you a goat from the herd. She said, fine, but I need something now as a surety. So she takes his signet ring, his staff, and one other thing which I can't uh, remember at this moment. And lo and behold, guess what? One night stands do happen, even in the scripture, she gets pregnant. And then the town people says to Judah, your daughter-in-law is playing the harlot. And he said, bring her out and stone her. And when they were taking her out, she had all of these things, and she says, go give these to my father-in-law and tell him the owner of these things is the father of my child. 
Judah said, she is more righteous than I am, for I have not kept my word. So they did not stone her. So the Levitical law is very, very important. We don't, we don't have it in this culture. Now, I told you, my father went to be with Jesus when I was eight months old. My youngest uncle, dad's brother, married my mom and had children with her. I didn't even know he wasn't my father until I was 14 years old. But he did. He wasn't married. They did what was called off in the scripture. So, anyway. So it's very important to, to do this. Now compare this with, uh, let's go to Ruth. <clears throat> and uh, for a quick moment here, we're going to go ahead to chapter 4. And look at verses 1 and 5, 1 through 5, and we will come back to that when we get to the chapter 4 in depth. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the Redeemer, of whom Boaz had spoken, came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend. We don't even know his name. Sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down, and he spoke. Uh, and he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, Buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elder of the people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, <clears throat> excuse me, if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it. And I am, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order, notice these words, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I, underline that next word, impair my own inheritance, take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Simply stating, this guy was willing to redeem uh, Ruth and Naomi without any responsibility. Until Boaz said, you need to do your duty, and that firstborn will get all the land that belongs to Naomi. And at that moment, he says, no way, Jose, I'm not getting involved. There's no difference, and we'll, we'll, we'll uh, talk about that a little bit stronger when we get to the actual chapter 4. We'll talk about it more. The same rules apply for Boaz, but the difference is... You can always redeem for your own benefit, but not for the dead brother's life. So it's important to remember what we do is not just for me, but for all of those around us. Never for ourselves, always for others. So, uh, land was a gift from God. He wanted to stay in the family at all costs. The kinsman redeemer was to come to the rescue and relief of the closest relative. That's the key element that we need to know. How do we keep it in the family? 
Okay? In verse 21 of 2, which is this, Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close to my young men until they have finished all my harvest. Is a further enlightenment by Ruth to the kindness and care to which Boaz had given her. A beautiful image of Boaz concern for her. Literally, he uses the Hebrew word davak, which to say, stay glued to the girls. Because we talked about that earlier. And uh, Ruth also emphasizes that because if you are not in an honorable field, you could be violated, right? So in essence, he is saying to her, you stay near the girls. My guys are around. If anybody comes to hassle you, guess what? They'll take care of that situation. And that's why it is important for us, even today as Christians, men and women or families, when we see someone in need, not to take advantage of them. How many times have you heard when there is a hurricane or catastrophe of some sort, people are just in all sort of distress. People take advantage of them. You know that? Have you heard of the story of the people who look in the newspaper where there's a family that had a funeral? And when the funeral is going on, they go to their home and rob them. How pathetic can you be? You've heard that before? From the church? Oh. I mean, it's bad enough they are distraught, hurting of the loss of loved one. And to come in, I don't know what kind of people these are. Cold, dead. I I just, I cannot fathom this. And this is why we Christians ought to be the major player when it comes to the need of others. Because you become the hands and feet and the lips of Jesus. That's what we do. If we don't do it to the family of faith, who will? All right, verse 22. Naomi stresses to Ruth to stay with her Redeemer, lest she'll be harmed. Um, The Hebrew here literally means that they don't fall upon you. It isn't just causing you harm. It's both physical and mental. When you respect life in the womb, you will respect life in every stage. If you were to do a study, and I haven't done it, but there's plenty others who do these studies. If you were to do a study on the people 
that do these things. I would almost venture to say that 95 to 98 percent of these people do not respect life and they will permit abortion. As you have been noticing lately, like Indiana, Virginia, now they've even um, moved away from that. Now they are doing that as soon as the baby is born, they can literally kill that baby. How tragic is that? And why do you think that is? Can anybody tell me why do you think they are at that stage? Why do you think that is? Anybody want to take a chance? Uh, that and more. I put. Huh? Um, that is also, but that's not the key. I put a letter for a word. Huh? Evil. Think outside the box. Let's see if we can quiz you. Very good. Evolutionist. Evolutionist. Evolution would be sufficient. What's wrong with evolution? What's wrong with evolution? It doesn't start with God. Unpack it. You're supposed to be reincarnated. Okay. But what does evolution teach? You came from monkeys. The monkeys have value. Actually, today they have more value than men or humans. But here's, the, here's what evolution teaches. You are only matter. If you only matter, then you really don't matter at all. If you are only a matter, then you really don't matter. Because there's no preciousness of life. This is the big, uh, this is where we have gone wrong in this country. Teaching evolution is the worst thing that has ever come to this country. Because God is no longer part of the picture. Evolution says you are on this earth. And you're going to die. So what happened if I kill Sarah or her baby? Tyler is going to kill me. The point is, though, when you view life as cheap, who's going to set the rules? You said evil. It's true. But it's only because they understand this. Your life doesn't matter. But if I look at you and I think of you through the lens of the gospel, 
that you are in the image of God. That gives me a total picture. What are the two great commandments Jesus gave to us? First one is what? Love God, heart, mind, body, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. So if you take care of yourself, you will take care of your neighbor. But it has to be rooted, this is why I say, if my relationship with my Lord is good, then my relationship with man is good. Right? Because I fear God, I put him first, and if I was going to do something to Sarah, I said, oh my gosh, I can't do this. She's a child of God also, right? However, if my relationship with my father is not good, then my relationship with my neighbor is not good. Do you see how systematic it is that when you don't take God at his word, who becomes God? And you. That's why evolution is the devil's deception. That's why we impress on people when we teach. The Bible is the inspired word. Cannot change it. Cannot detect from it. You cannot cut it, you cannot shorten it, add to it, or subtract from it. This is what God has promised. All right. Finally, we are told by the author that truth worked until the end of the barley and wheat harvest season. The statement, she lived with her mother-in-law, indicate that something has changed now for Ruth. The drama is building up. The next scene is being set up for us. Excitement in the air. We can't wait for its outcome. Questions or comments? Questions or comments? Don't be bashful. I don't charge extra for questions. Does Andrew have any brothers? <laughs> Just pulling your legs. It's different, isn't it? Say that again. Well, true, my brother-in-laws are like brothers, you know. Um, when I left the country, you can't say, oh my gosh, I'm not going to marry my brother, right? That's kind of the feeling is. Um, I asked, before I left the country, I was 16 years old, and my mother said to me, son, you have eight cousins who are girls of your age. Which of them would you like? I mean, that's just how she said it. I said, mother... How would I know? I'm only 16 years old. And then I proceeded to ask, why would I want to marry my cousin? I've known her ever since we were little ones. And she said, son, who better to take care of your cousin than her cousin? 
My mom and dad are first cousins. My grandpa and grandma are first cousins. My uncle and his wife are first cousins. My other uncle and his wife is first cousins. My other uncle and his wife is first cousin. My aunt and her husband are first cousins. The only member of the family, one man did not marry a cousin out of six siblings. No, not me, I'm not talking about me. I didn't marry my cousins either, but I'm talking about like my parents and their uh, siblings. That's a very common practice. It is more, it is still practiced like this in the villages, but not in the cities, not anymore. But it's not very uncommon. Well, you know my uh, cousin Badia. She lives in the village. Three of her daughters married into the family, into other cousins. Even now, it's not uncommon. Don't think anything of it. Actually, um, the only one that had birth defect is the uncle that married outside the family. <laughs> well, Jeannie knows my family. Oh my. Yeah, he's the only one, he's the only one out of six that had a child who wasn't completely, you know, not Down syndrome and not really down, 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 but let's just say he wasn't normal. Okay, Roger, you had your hands up. Yeah, you know, and I don't know, um, I mean, you know, life over there is so different than here. I mean, it's changing now, but they ate better food than we do here. They walked a lot more than we walk here, you know. Uh, when I started, I shared um, three C words that I think are really important for us to um, comprehend. And let me just put them, and we'll close with this before we start the next time. The three C words, when we read something in Scripture, the first C is context, is everything. We call that context is king, okay? Context is king. What happened before and what's going to happen after in the Scripture, that is king. You don't just take one verse out and you pull it out and you say, well, I want to do these things. So C is context is king. That's the first one. Then uh, the second C is culture or customs. If we talk here about marrying your cousin or your brother-in-law or somebody to redeem you, whoa, baby, I saw her face. She says, no way, Jose, we ain't doing it, right? I would live single for the rest of my life rather than marry my cousin or my brother-in-law or something, right? But so custom or culture is the queen. So this is king. This is queen. And the third C Totality of everything. So, um, it is important for us to know the context. It's important for us to know the custom or the culture. 
but it's also important to see how Christ fits everything together for us. That's the centrality. Well, that's the word I was looking for. Centrality. He's the center of everything that we do. Sorry about that. My mind went blank for a moment. Center of everything. Because without him, we have no life. Okay? We're going to stop right here. We're not going to start the third chapter because I'm going to hand you out the new. Uh, we'll quit earlier today. I got a project I need to finish. So, any questions before we close? Don't be bashful. Comments, questions? If not, let's pray. Holy Father, thank you for blessing us with your word. May that rich revelation that we find in Scripture continue to give us hope in the hours of hopelessness and help in the hours of helplessness. Be with those who are hurting, Lord. Comfort them with your grace and fill them with your peace. Be with us this week and prepare our hearts, O God, as we come together to serve you with the greatest joy. To that end, O God, hear us for the sake of Christ our Lord. Amen. God bless you, folks. We will see you. He snuck in while I was from my eyes closed. Jesus blesses. Isn't that sweet? Well, that's what they wanted to do, the friend thing. Oh. You want to come? Well, I hope I can. I mean, you know. You let me give you a book then. Okay. Um, I hope I don't have anything on Monday nights. But okay. Yeah. Okay. We don't charge you. It's free. What time is it? Seven to eight fifteen. Oh. Okay. Okay. So we'll be done. I mean, we do know when we start. We, you know. Let me give you this. Come with me. If you are able to save some of the back sheets and we'll use those for over, you don't have to do it right now. Okay? You're tired. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Oh, yeah. We just finished lesson one, okay. and there is homework. 
Oh, there is. Yeah, just to help you. <laughs> this is just to help you. Okay, so we already finished this one, Christ and the Bible. And here is the question, and we already got this done. So right now we are in less, lesson two, and I said just finish as much as you can as you go ahead. Okay. Okay? Okay. If you have any questions, you got my phone number. All right, sounds good. Thank you. you betcha. Are you going to rest now? No, actually, I'm going to go and work with my son in his house. I'm helping him put some wood on a wall. I'm going to rest a little bit. But... Here's one more.